With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate, salty peanut butter, the textures. I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Okay, just a note up top. This is a weird one. I didn't mean to make this like this, but now it's a big old episode. This was supposed to be a mini episode, and then it turned out that that there's a lot more to learn and it got really interesting. Okay. Oh, hey, it's that invisible hair that's resting lightly on your arm that you keep thinking is a spider. Allie Ward, we're back with a cute little field trip. Little field trip. I'm going to put you in my grimy canvas tote bag and I'm going to take you somewhere I want to be. So usually, okay, ologies is this one long, calm interview with an expert about some ology. Sometimes, your butt is stuck to a vinyl office chair and you need to get out of the house. So in this case, let's go to Hollywood. Let's hang out outside of Universal Studios and talk to some big time famous Hollywood writers and even one baby about why the WGA, the Writers Guild of America, is saying hell no to work and hell yes to livable wages for the people who make your content. And maybe also um, some foresight about AI in an industry that's worth billions. Shall we? Let's do that. I promise if you ever like watching anything that has been on TV or your phone, you're going to want to know what the fuck's going on. And we got it for you. Okay. But first, you're amazing. Thank you to every single person who supports Ologies at patreon.com slash Ologies for as little as a buck a month. Thank you to everyone who shares these shows and rates and reviews. I read each review and I serve one up while it's still steaming, such as this week from Cobra Clogs, who wrote, this is my favorite podcast of all time. I've harassed so many of my friends and family to get them to listen to this. They all hate me, but they loved this podcast. Cobra Clogs, I love you. And I hope that they love this. Okay, listen. Okay, first off, this audio, it's pretty good considering that it was on a street corner with people literally screaming behind me. But I used a really good mic and just a heads up, if you're on the road, there is some ambient but supportive horn honking from the picket lines. So just consider when you're driving, please be safe. Consider that like a horn warning is a horning. Also, honk if you're horny for worker solidarity and fair treatment, but also drive safely. So, Bibi, let's grab your water bottle and meet me on the street corner in North Hollywood, which for anyone who has ever lived in LA, it isn't the northeast part of Hollywood. It's the city over the hill in the valley where they shoot tons of movies. And there's someone right there living in an apartment probably right now who's going to win an Oscar in 2027. And uh, they're probably in an apartment that always smells like their neighbor's dinner. But that's okay. You're doing great. And we're proud of you. This is for all the existing writers all the future ones, and really anyone who has ever benefited from watching written content. Come with us. This is a wild one. There's also a lot of drama, Hollywood drama, insider info in the biz. I give you some secrets from working in the industry. And um, and also, what does the future hold? So come with me. Let's go on a backstage shore in Field Trip, crashing the WGA picket lines.
Okay, first things first, let's do a nervous but excited mic check. So we stood on the sidewalk across from Universal Studios where they have shot everything from Back to the Future to Buffy to Die Hard, Seinfeld. They shot The Good Place there. Gremlins was shot there. And it's already baking at noon in the heat of the valley. So this would be my mic and then this would be yours. Your mic looks good. I'm going to turn this one down. How's yours sound right now? If you were a person that I didn't know about. Oh my God. A mariachi band. I didn't wear sunscreen on my arms, but that's fine. Do you want me to go get some? Nah, I'm be fine. I got a sunburn. So I have written for television shows, and I've, I've gotten an Emmy, a daytime Emmy for doing that. Um, I've also been uncredited. I've been credited and not paid. I've been credited and barely paid. Why does this happen to me? Because I'm not a member of WGA. The jobs I've worked on haven't been WGA eligible. But I have been in the Screen Actors Guild since like 1997, my babies. And my SAG union jobs pay livable wages with pension and optional health benefits that have literally saved my life when uh, I had mono and had to go to the hospital. There's, I could have died. But my SAG jobs pay well, not because they like me, Uh, or I do a particularly good job, but because they are required by law because of unions. So Jarrett and I, your pod mom, we dropped off a bunch of cold water and ice and snacks to a person with a hat that said captain. And then we waited at a crosswalk to join the two or 300 people in blue WGA shirts marching back and forth in front of the Jimmy Stewart Memorial Gate at Universal Studios. And we waited at the light next to this man in the crosswalk, maybe early 30s. He was holding a picket sign, as most people were, and his bore the words, Writers Guild of America on strike. And geniusly, these WGA signs have a big blank white space where writers have been giving studios a piece of their minds via Sharpie. This guy's holding one. I was just like, do you guys have signs? And a lady walks up, she's like, I'm done with this. (laughs) Can you read to me what it says? Of course. Bezos went to space. He can pay writers what they're worth. Very nice. Have you ever worked for Amazon Studios? I have not, no. I have. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. And you know what they paid me for script? What? A $185. Oh, my Each script took God. me a week. Oh, my and, God. And I had to tap you into want, I feel like you no, should be I, carrying this. <laughs> I got your back. Here. This is... <laughs> but we were talking about that on the way here. We're like, who has more fucking money than Bezos? Like, like literally maybe no one. Maybe one guy every other week. But yeah, like, working for... That's ridiculous. Yeah, giant oh streamers are always like, we don't have any money. Yeah, and yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I beg to differ. Oh my gosh. So yeah, this is Jared. I'm oh, yeah. Allie. Jared, Nathan, good to meet you. Allie, Nathan, good to meet nice you. Nice to meet you. Are you WGA or SAG or just supporting? Uh, just supporting. That's great. A burgeoning writer hoping to be paid at least 185. Yeah, right? <laughs> We're working on it. <laughs> I mean, you're a perfect use case. I was literally at my dad's bedside. My dad had brain cancer and I was in the hospital making notes on scripts at my dad's bedside as he lay dying for $185 an episode. (laughs) They can't afford it. Well, good luck getting into the fray. (laughs) All right. So I saw my dear friend, Dalen Rodriguez, and I caught the audio part of me shrieking her name with love because you didn't need to hear that. 
but Daylin is a longtime TV writer, and she's been on the picket lines for weeks, as have many of the Guild's roughly 12,000 working members. Now, Daylin is also an elected member of the Writers Guild of America Board of Directors, which helps make decisions for the union, as well as being the co-showrunner of the Netflix number one show, Lincoln Lawyer, which means that she is the head of the writing staff. So I met her in 2002 when I was her waitress at a discount sushi restaurant and she liked my mix CD that was playing. Last year, she officiated my wedding. She's just all kinds of badass motherfucker, as they say. Is it okay that we're recording this? Yeah. Okay, sweet. But as we cross back and forth, do you feel like telling anyone why you're striking? Sure. Yeah. Okay, tell us why the fuck you're striking. Um, I am striking because I'm worried that our writing careers are going to disappear. Yeah. I came, uh, I broke in into this business in 2002, mm-hmm. and I used to work on a 22-episode, half-hour network show, and I made a really good living and had really good residuals, and I've just watched all that get stripped away in the last few years by streamers. Okay, so real quick, in the entertainment industry, residuals are when your episode that you worked on airs. And if you're a union worker, like an actor or a producer or a writer, they pay you again. And it gets less and less every time it re-airs, but you do get paid again when the episode re-airs. And these residuals can add up and really save your ass in times of unemployment. And before you're like, why don't you just get a regular job if you're unemployed? And if you haven't worked in this particular business or in any creative industry or or ever done anything like freelance, So creatives in this industry don't get paid a penny for auditioning, for writing scripts on spec, because that means they only pay you if they buy it, or most times for development. So developing a TV show can mean working your ass off for years, writing, shooting samples, wearing uncomfortable shoes to meetings, hoping that the network likes you and buys it. But if they don't and they pass, you make zero dollars for all of that work. Uh, If they do like it, then you could make people millionaires. So when you do get something made and it airs and it re-airs, the residuals on that work that the networks are making money off of keep creatives alive and creating in between jobs, unless they're just very, very rich from wealthy parents. I'm really concerned about writers coming up and I'm really concerned about the end of the middle class of my union. Is there any saying how long the strike might last? No, there's no way of knowing, really, at this point. Um, this is part of our negotiations. We are striking. But right now, the AMPTP is negotiating with the DGA, uh, hoping to make a deal with them, and, and then they have to negotiate with SAG. Okay, listen, this aside, it's a long one. Okay, what are all those letters? Those aren't even words. I'm going to break it down for you, okay? So, here we go. This is exciting. I mean, of, of course you know that, like, sets are full of people, right? That's kind of cool to think about that every time you watch a movie. Think of all the people that are standing around. Of course, you know they're there. But uh, the whole point is that we don't think about them because they're making this stuff look real, right? So I started in the business as the person who worked on commercials who made sure that there was a snack table for all the workers. And on the piece of paper that tells you who does what job, it's called a call sheet, I was on the very bottom. They start with the producers and the lead talent at the top, and then they just kind of go, oh, the way down and then below the PAs or production assistants what they used to call gophers was me who was the snack PA but I learned 
so much. I listened to so much gossip when people were at my snack table getting yogurt pretzels and stuff. And one thing to learn is that people on sets work so hard. The call time can be three or four in the morning. A typical workday on average, a typical day is 14 hours. And then you have to drive home, you have to try to sleep a few hours, maybe reload your truck, restock all your stuff, get all the wardrobe together, whatever. And then you have to be back at 4 a.m. the next day for a lot of heavy lifting, high stress and high stakes. So there are unions for those workers because most studios know that when people are involved in something creative, we will let ourselves get screwed. I mean, you and I, we're making TikTok and Instagram posts for free. You'll write them, you'll film them, edit them, caption them for free. And the tech industry knows you'll do it. And so the unions that she mentioned, SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, which merged a few years ago with AFTRA, which stands for the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. There's the DGA, which is the Directors Guild of America. But fun fact, there's no union at all for choreographers. So all the dances that you see, they get replicated on TikTok. Like, you know, that marvelous Mrs. Maisel, like the pink, Two laces, one. Any dancing you've ever seen in a music video, there's no union protection for those choreographers. So they can get just insultingly low day rates. Sometimes a famous choreographer will be paid by giant studios less than the backup dancer is making. Oh, and there's no healthcare, pension, or residuals for the choreographers, no matter how many times the dance that they made up is replicated over and over and over again. Wow. So why don't choreographers start a union already? It's about time. Well, I have this friend. Her name is Catherine Burns. She's won two Emmys for all of her choreography work on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. She's worked on everything from Key and Peele to Dolly Parton movies. She's done Dancing with the Stars. She choreographed dances for The Simpsons. You know what she did? She started a fucking union. So the Choreographers Guild launched this year and it's already been written up by the New York Times and every trade publication. You can find out more about them at choreographersguild.org. Please follow them on social media and show your support. I'm so proud of Catherine. I could dance in public, which says a lot. And you know how I met Catherine? In 2002, when I was a waitress at that same discount sushi restaurant. She worked retail next door. So look at us, just a bunch of minimum wage goblins doing what we love and hopefully trying to make things better for the ones that come up behind us. So these unions like SAG and the DGA, they rep creative workers that are sometimes known as above the line. That means that they're key creatives on a budget, that unless they do something terrible or just have major creative differences, they're individually selected for their roles. They have job security. Now, People refer to below the line as the folks who take all of those decisions and they make them into reality. Well, they make them into a false reality that we watch and we pretend is reality. Those are the tech crews and the skilled laborers and the set painters and all those people that I mentioned before. And they have a huge union, 140,000 people. That's called IATSE. But for short, uh, you can call them the International Alliance of Theatrical Stage Employees, Moving Picture Technicians, Artists, and Allied Crafts of the United States, its territories, and Canada. Sure. Okay. And IATSE has a bunch of local chapters. You've seen their logo. It looks kind of like a flower. It's at the end of every movie. But there's also the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, which was famously led by union advocate Jimmy Hoffa. Unfortunately, Jimmy later had some trouble with the law. But the Teamsters in general, they represent so many laborers. There's 1.3 million Teamsters in that union in America from 
bakery workers to freight truck drivers. And the Hollywood chapter of the Teamsters is really, really involved in the entertainment business. Local 399 is that Hollywood chapter. And they represent casting people and animal wranglers, people who truck all that heavy equipment around and the mechanics that keep the sets going. So IATSE and the Teamsters tend to be really solidarity oriented, which is awesome. IATSE members can refuse to cross another union's picket line and they can't be fired. They can be temporarily replaced, but they can't be fired. And a recent bulletin about this WGA strike from the local 399, the Teamsters stated, quote, simply put, Teamsters do not cross picket lines. However, ultimately that decision is up to you as an individual, but they're protected if they choose not to cross the Writers Guild or any other union's active physical picket lines. They can say, no, I do not cross another union's picket line. They may have to get to work early to beat the picketers before they make the line. But if they don't, they can hang back, sit in their trucks or whatever until production decides what to do and if they're just going to shut down the set. So all of this stuff about the unions and all these people who are making these TV shows and movies that make billions of dollars, right? But why do they have all these unions? Why unions for them? So Back in the dawn of the industrial age, companies would sometimes just try to squeeze out as much work as they could from like factory workers to increase production and profits. It wasn't always safe. Sometimes the workers were like seven and didn't have shoes and couldn't go to school. They didn't have retirement or health plans. So the workers got together and said, hey, how about if we all fuck this shit and stick together so that they treat us fairly? That is why you can't get away with child labor and really unsafe conditions because of these labor unions. Do people like unions? Well, not if you're trying to increase profits at sometimes the expense of the workers' health. But a recent Gallup poll revealed that 71% of Americans are pro-union. And that's even up from before the pandemic. So that 71% is the highest it's been since the mid-1960s. There's just this kind of pervasive feeling of, wait a minute, why are we working more, but we're getting paid less and have no benefits? And everyone is a gig worker with three jobs and no health insurance. Unions are like, hey, let us band together. Workers, let's not compete amongst each other. Let's use solidarity and have a collective power and collective bargaining so that we don't get screwed out of a living wage and healthcare. Also, side note, to purchase a home in Los Angeles or New York, get ready to spend some cash. About a million dollars will get you maybe a two-bedroom place that has roofing issues. And then Is that AMPTP? What is that jumble of letters? Okay, that stands for the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. And they are the ones arguing on behalf of the studios like Apple and Netflix and Hulu against the WGA and the other unions. In case you hear those letters with kind of a sneer. So they're representing the studios and saying, "Uh, I don't think we want to give you that. So these are the characters on this battlefield. Now, in 2007, the Writers Guild of America famously went on strike when studios didn't want to pay the same kind of money for what they called new media or digital or streaming uh, as much as they did for broadcast. And it's just so funny that it's called new media because I feel like digital stuff has been around for like decades, but they're still like, ooh, this is new media. It's like, it's the internet. We all, everyone has the internet. But anyway, as ChatGPT 
is already writing everything from like, I don't know, breakup letters to people's book reports. WGA is saying, no, someone needs to figure this out for us and for the rest of all the industries. And so WGA says, we'll go first. We'll say, hey, you cannot replace writers with AI that you've scrubbed from other writers' work. And as for the paying less for more work, they're like, don't piss on our legs and tell us it's streaming and that it's just hustle culture. Workers deserve to be paid. So AMPTP, that Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers that is representing the studios, they have to deal with WGA writers saying, nope, you got to negotiate. And as Daylin is saying, other unions may be next to join in solidarity, like the Directors Guild, the DGA, and the Screen Actors Guild, SAG. So in a few weeks, SAG will begin contract negotiations with the AMPTP for things like residuals in streaming and AI use. And the SAG-AFTRA's national board decided by this unanimous vote that if the AMPTP doesn't play nice, and a fair deal isn't reached by the end of June that SAG may strike to, which is pretty historic. Also, side note, the president of SAG is the lady who played the nanny. He started it. Oh, and no TV for you either. <laughs> so, okay, let's say that you're just gardening in Michigan right now and you think like, this doesn't even affect me at all. I get it. It seems far away. This might be happening far away from you, but it's also happening on your TV in your living room. And on your phone. Sitting on the toilet. And there are so many movies and TV shows that change people's lives and that keep us all entertained. And so when you go to watch your favorite shows in like six or seven months, they might all be reruns. There may not be new seasons. Your favorite actors may not have any new movies. Your least favorite ones might not either. Or TV shows. So making deals with those two unions isn't necessarily going to end our strike. Right, right, right. Yeah. How's the week been? A little stressful? Last couple weeks? It's been stressful, but I think there's a lot of solidarity and I think people are in really good spirits. And the best thing about, the, the, the best thing that I've seen is how many other unions have come out to support us. Today, we have some members of the Teamsters, Local 399 are out here with us. Cool. Uh, seen a few IATSE folks. So I think the support means the world to all of us. I, I, I feel like all the unions are being squeezed. All our jobs are being squeezed. And this is something not just in Hollywood, it's happening all over the United States. I've heard the canary in a coal mine metaphor used for this particular union and strike. It's because of AI. Yeah. We're the first people to truly confront the existential threat that is artificial <laughs> intelligence. Right. The amount of jobs that will be wiped off the earth because of AI is frightening. And we're just the first people to basically draw a line in the sand about it and say, fuck no. Well, we were the first people to go like, hey guys, this streaming thing, this is a big deal. And because of that strike, digital or streaming shows had to adhere to hiring union workers, which then had the protection of healthcare and pensions and reasonable wages. And that strike in 2007, lasted 100 days. And some economists estimate that the cost was $20 million per day to the business. And union members say it's not just to like hit them in the balance sheet, but it's to abstain from working to prove how needed and valuable they are and to get studios to come back to the table and negotiate in good faith for what's right. Like if you've got kind of a shitty partner, you're like, you know what? I'm out. 
you let me know when you want to be cool again. And they're like, oh, fine. It's just saying, if you're not going to treat me right, you don't get me right now. So this time around, because the contracts are so out of line with AI technology and streaming conventions and how studios are using and profiting from that, the WGA, especially as the first union to finally stand up and say, hell no, we're not doing this. They have even more support. There is more solidarity in this one. Um, I think that people didn't fully comprehend the the streaming battle that we were having in 07, 08. I think there were a lot of people that really didn't, weren't thrilled about going on strike and they did. So there was a lot of like grumbling, uh-huh. I think in 07, 08. Um, this is very different. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think because we're really getting the message out that our income has fallen drastically. 50% of the union is working at scale, which is minimums. Pay has gone 23%. That's uh, accounting for inflation. Oof. So it's bad. Yeah. And we're not the only labor force that's feeling it. Just because we're like a bunch of nerds that sit in front of a computer and we're like... But also making the things we that actually, make life bearable. We, we literally create the content that they make billions of dollars yeah. on. If, it, if, they're, if it's not on the page... Yeah. And don't and people shouldn't fool themselves. They reality shows are written. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not pretend that they're not. We're just we just need to unionize all those folks. Mm-hmm. But they're written also. Yes, I am sorry to break it to you, my friends, but there are producers and script editors on reality shows. Someone's got to watch 50 100,000 hours of footage of rich ladies eating salad and make a story out of it and orchestrate all those on-camera makeouts in gondolas between strangers clutching roses. And Daylin and the union, they just want to look out for others, especially people who are coming up after them. We always seem to have a little bit of foresight about what's coming down the pike. Doesn't surprise me. We're writers. We have the imagination. We sit around going like, what is the worst case scenario? That's the worst case scenario. And we write about it. We write murder shows and apocalypse movies. So like, I, we think of the worst case scenario. A union that sits around figuring out how to get away with murder. And by the way, you can trust writers to make this strike a little spicy. So writers have organized the organizing. They're staging days like a pro-union Newsies-themed strike day at the Disney gates where hundreds of people showed up in flat caps and suspenders with memes about Newsies. And across town, same day, there was this glorious trans takeover day in front of Netflix. And during all of this, while I was recording these conversations, pacing the Jimmy Stewart gate at Universal, a mariachi band was just tearing it up nearby under a tree. And they were outfitted to the nines in these impeccable Navy uniforms with these gleaming brass buttons. And I didn't even notice at first, they were all women and femme musicians. And they were hired to boost morale by La Lista, which is a volunteer group that mentors Latina, Latinx, and Latina identifying and non-binary working TV and feature writers. And they've been around for years. They started this when we felt like we needed community because there weren't enough Latinas writing in the industry. And basically they started this brunch, Latinas brunch, and it's turned into La Lista, which is a list of writers. And we all basically help each other out. When we hear that there's a job, we kind of give out a bat signal. We're all here for like community. So we decided to do our own organized picket and bring out the mariachis. 
Okay, so I peeled off. I spotted another friend, Dr. Tegan Wall, who has a Caltech neuroscience PhD. She's a co-founder of the Science Communication Collective, the Nerd Brigade. She's also a Hollywood screenwriter. She was nominated for a primetime Emmy for writing on Netflix's Bill Nye Saves the World. And she wrote on Young Sheldon and Braincraft, among other shows. And she also had a baby less than two months ago. And her tiny nugget of a son was wrapped up in one of those baby scarf things that you wear. And I suppose he was picketing as well. And technically, under labor laws, an official picket line needs to be composed of a minimum of two people, each holding a picket sign. And for day one of the strike, Tegan tucked a tiny homemade sign into her son's baby sling. Are you podcasting on the line? Yes, I am. Dr. Wall agreed to chat with me. I'm Tegan Wall. Most recently, I worked on Lessons in Chemistry for Apple TV and Leverage Redemption for Freebie. Why are you striking? I'm striking because I'm very concerned that our jobs are not going to exist much longer with the existence of many rooms and shorter and smaller rooms despite the same number of episodes. Can you explain what a mini room is? Yeah, so a mini room is a room where they basically get a bunch of writers, and by a bunch I mean like five or six together, and they have them break the entire show, the entire season of television, in like six weeks. So a writer's room, side note, is what they in general call the collection of writers all brainstorming together. They're throwing out ideas, they're coming up with dialogue that we quote forever and character traits and backstories and breaking the show or season. And that means to break it down into kind of bullet points and outlines, like what's happening in this episode? And then how does that fit into what's happening overall in the season and next season? And a writer's room, it can it could technically be like a picnic table with professional writers, but usually a conference room or could be a Zoom call in COVID or might still be a Zoom call. But a mini room is much shorter. And it's usually a smaller collection of writers who get paid way less. And the studio from Amazon to Universal and everything in between will kind of just have a shrug and say, well, it's just a tiny little mini room because we're just a little itty bitty digital company, okay? And then they just all go off and write it, and then you never see it or hear or get involved ever again. They just go and someone else produces it and makes it, and you're not involved beyond the six weeks in the episode that you wrote. And broadcast and cable shows, the things that you play on the actual TV, have to make more episodes typically than streaming shows, which have kind of drifted to this binge the whole season or several seasons in one sitting model. And most streaming companies don't really release their metrics or ratings of how well the show is really doing internationally and stuff. So they order more shows and they cancel more shows. And also a fun fact, but when you are shooting a TV show or a movie, everyone's got the script in their hands, right? Figuring out what page they're shooting when. Now the script could be different colors. And a script is usually just printed on white paper, right? But as it gets revised, the writing assistants or production assistants will print it up on different colored paper according to protocol. And that initial shooting script, again, white, but they revise it, then they put a little asterisk in the margin where the dialogue or the directions have changed. But just to make sure everyone's on the same page, like literally, they print up a new version on blue paper, that second version. Third revision, usually pink. 
fourth revision, yellow, then it goes to green, then goldenrod, then buff, then salmon colored paper, and then cherry hued scripts. Then they got more revisions. Then you'll get second blue, second pink, second yellow, second goldenrod, second buff, second salmon, and second cherry. Why didn't I just say etc. and shut the fuck up way earlier in that list? Just to let you know that even while shooting, there is this rigid protocol to make sure they're shooting the newest script. And sometimes 10 revisions later, because it's still changing even while things are being shot. So the writers have historically, creatively been involved and paid to make sure that those scripts are as good as they can be up to the time that the assistant director or AD yells action. And just another little inside thing here. So the directors don't actually say action. The AD is the one who's tasked with kind of being like time cop on set, just making sure things are going according to schedule. People are settling down. No one's sticking around. That's the AD's job to yell action and cut. Anyway, back to writers. In many rooms, the writers get laid off well before shooting. So they're not there to do all those revisions that they have 10 different revision colors for. They're they're like, bye, see you later, which is kind of like a surgeon being asked to do like a just, a, just a mini operation. Just take just take the gallbladder out, but just like super, super fast. And, and you're not allowed also just to follow up with the patient. Don't worry about it. And also we're just going to pay you like half just because, um, you know, like everyone wants to be a surgeon. So it's very prestigious. And, you know, you can always like do Uber or like tutor kids in Beverly Hills for their SATs on the off season. So you'll be fine. So stuff like that is what might drive a Hollywood screenwriter who is also a brainiac neuroscientist to log 16,000 steps a day while holding a human baby. Have you been studying any strikes of the past to try to know what to expect out of this? I did some research on past WGA strikes and it really bumped me out. Yeah, how come? Because they, we've had two strikes in our history that have lasted 22 weeks. Oof. And I would very much like to get back to work before then. Yeah. Have you been seeing anyone that you haven't seen in a while other than me? Hey. Yeah, actually, I just ran into uh, a woman who I worked with back on Young Sheldon, who I have not seen since then. And she's like a showrunner now and is generally awesome. And I was like, holy cow. (laughs) Do people pass you a lot and go, oh, my God, there's a live human baby in there? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I feel like it's uh, a real morale booster. I mean, he's just so small and so cute. Again, together, they are a two-person picket line if needed. And some multi-million dollar productions with like huge stars have been shut down these past couple of weeks by just two people who had the gumption to wake up at dark o'clock and get to the gates of a studio or the location of a set holding signs so early that it was before the other union's 5 a.m. call time. And since a few unions are just so committed to solidarity, they, again, will not cross a picket line. So two people can do that and can force billion-dollar companies to lose enough revenue that it spares future writers from exploitation, which is awesome. But some studios have what's called a neutral gate, and it's kind of like a Hollywood Switzerland, if you will. And everyone agrees, no one pick at this gate. Some people not involved in the union dispute just need to get to work. It's all good. Like other companies who work in the same building or whose production somehow doesn't involve any WGA writers at all. So my point is that all of this drama is 
as exciting and high stakes as some of the shows that they're shooting inside the studio lot. There's so much drama and money and things at stake here. Also, unless you're resting and taking a break or you simply can't, on these picket lines, you gotta keep it moving, people. And as I recorded this, I stopped to talk to someone for a little bit and I was urged to keep it walking, keep walking. Because in the 2007 strike, some law enforcement agencies were issuing tickets as the LA Times reported back then, because a moving rider is a pedestrian, but a rider cooling his heels is a loitering menace by law. Some police officers have also issued tickets for horn honking as a noise violation. But while I was there, all those horn blasts of support that you're hearing in the background, those came from people driving by in their tiny cars to huge trucks. And I gotta say, the big trucks honking their horn Oof, just like a shot of adrenaline for these tired strikers. Everyone loves it when you get a big rig to go doot doot. It's the best. My name is Danielle Sanchez-Witzel, so I'm a predominantly a co- television comedy writer. Um, I'm on the negotiating committee. I worked on New Girl. I worked on a show called My Name is Earl for its full run. Mm-hmm. I ran a show called The Carmichael Show, which was an NBC show. Yes. Um, and I have a show on Hulu called Up Here, which a bu- with a bunch of Broadway musical superstars. That's a half-hour romantic comedy musical. And I have a show coming out on Netflix in the summer called Survival of the Thickest with an amazingly talented stand-up and writer-performer named Michelle Buteau. So landing giant deals with Netflix and A24, that's a big production company, that get like written up in the papers is honestly what Hollywood dreams are made of. Like she's living it. If this were the 80s, you would immediately purchase a Chrysler LeBaron convertible and you would call your dad from a phone booth to tell him you made it and that Uncle Nicky was wrong about you. But this is not 1987 or 2002 or even 2007. So I'm all over the place. I've been doing this for 20 years. So We can walk as we talk, because sure. what from what I understand, we should. I mean, it's the, you know, the, the legality of it all, I walked in 2007-8. There were no neutral gates. This did not occur. And some lots, my understanding is, are really using it the way it is legally supposed to be used. And some lots um, are abusing that system and allowing people to go in who just don't want to have to deal with the fact that we're on strike. So some folks who are involved in the labor dispute will just shoot through those neutral gates we talked about, probably wearing comically large sunglasses or maybe a trench coat and say, later suckers, I snuck in. And if they're caught doing that, the whole studio lot can lose that neutral gate agreement. I don't know if anyone's told you about at Universal, but you can see we're walking in crosswalks. We had a couple of writers get clipped by cars that were annoyed. And so while you hear all the honking public support, which is amazing, we have had dealt with uh, some people who are impatient and don't want to be inconvenienced and have actually clipped a couple of writers. So it can be dangerous out here on the picket line. You know, we're telling the companies that we're out here I like to think of it as we know our value and we're going to be out here until you recognize our value too. The Teamsters and IATSE who have been extremely supportive um, and are only doing this out of solidarity. You know, there are workers who, if they don't cross our picket line, don't get paid that day. So we're so grateful to anyone who's willing to be there for us. And obviously as a union, we'll be there for them when it's their time. And we've had some SAG-AFTRA members who also don't want to cross a picket line. So there's a lot of union solidarity right now, very different from 2007-8. And I think if unions stick together, you know, I think that these studios are well are afraid of are afraid of this unity you know yeah. so we're happy to see it for sure and literally this is why we have unions because they know artists will make art for free no matter how much that art is worth on the open market or how much they're collecting for it we've hollowed out a middle class of writer 
you know, really in, in what I what I chalk up the corporate greed. I mean, it's just a matter of like, well, how little can we pay these people for how short amount of time as possible to get the absolute most out of them? And so that's, to me, where the television system has really broken down, and it's a big part of why we're out here. That's got to be hard as a showrunner, too, to be the one to say, hey, I'm really sorry, I've only got you for eight weeks, you're not going to make a lot of money, we got to make this show, yeah. and there's nothing that you can do as their boss really to make their life better. It's a terrible feeling. I can tell you kind of what, what's bad on both sides. So 100% what you're talking about is terrible because I look at my writers and I go, I need you longer and this is how long I'm going to be able to have you. The other thing that's not happening is that nobody is learning. You know, I learned on all of these shows that I told you I was on that were for broadcast television, 19 of my 20-year career, 19 of those years has been for broadcast television. Mm -hmm. I got to be there for production on sets. I got to understand post-production. By the way, we're yeah. writing through all three phases. So, so writers are being eliminated. So staffs are being eliminated from being able to see the production and post-production, even though they are creatively needed for the process. And so they're not getting the experience they need in addition to not being able to pay their rent. So we've hollowed out a middle class from our own union. The studios mm -hmm. have because, you know, it's it's either you're a showrunner, you're making shows, or, you know, you're, you're an emerging writer that's just breaking in, but you can't sustain a career. This is a very existential crisis that the Writers Guild is facing, which is, can writing be a sustainable career? Can you actually, you know, make money and pay your bills doing it? And so this is very much a fight for the middle class writer. And I think that's something that resonates, as you can hear people <laughs> hugging for us, you know, all across our country is that there's a labor movement happening right now where it's like all the money's at the top. We're just making billionaires richer. And I don't think anyone wants to be part of that system. Well, maybe billionaires. We're asking for a very reasonable, very reasonable small amount of the product that we, you know, the profits of the product that we create. Um, and it, it, it seems crazy that we have to be out here fighting for it, but that's yeah. the situation. Especially when it's Bezos yeah. and Apple. Yeah, and no, <laughs> those are tough. Yeah, I mean, those are tough. Yeah, those are tough. But Zaslav, I'm sure you saw the Discovery um, Warner CEO, you know, I made $250 million in salary. It's very hard to be out here and going, well, just his salary alone almost solves this whole thing for us, you know, and that's one person. So ah. obviously he sees his own value, um, you know, and was able to garner that kind of, uh, you know, salary for himself. So it's frustrating. It's frustrating to be out here for sure. I was part of the committee that was in there trying to negotiate with the studios and ultimately, you know, um, along with the board, we were the ones that had to call the strike. And so I knew 100% that we had to be out here. We had no choice but to be out here for yeah. sure. I think when I broke in 20 years ago, I, even though it's an unstable, we all know we're getting into an unstable field. It's, movies don't always get made. Television shows get canceled. You know, there's not a, they, we, we understand what we're walking into, but because of all the writers and union members who came before me who were willing to strike and fight, we had things like residuals. We have health care. Everything that we have to protect us, the minimums that they have to pay us came out of this union being willing to strike. And so I feel, you know, a certain amount of pride, but certainly I, I know that we have to be out here because we're not going to let this career fall apart on our watch. You yeah. know, I think we really have to do this for emerging writers. And I'm sure you can see, so today was a Latina picket. Uh -huh. And I'm sure you can see how diverse our union is, which is also pretty different from 0708. So really proud to be out here representing this community as well, but also to say, you know, the doors are finally opening for storytellers to tell the stories of underrepresented communities within our own community and so many other underrepresented communities. And we have to make sure that those storytellers are able to sustain a career mm -hmm. so that, that they can create shows and write the movies and tell the stories of the future, you know, that, that finally we get to tell a story through a different lens, you know. We can't let it fall apart now, so yeah. it's important oh. to be out here.
one WGA member was just arriving and I was the accidental welcome wagon standing there holding a mic, but he was cool with it. Stephen Langford, I work on Family Matters. He's also written for Steven Spielberg and George Lucas and on shows like Malcolm and Eddie and classics, including Saved by the Bell and Silver Spoons. And my favorite show about a robot who lives in a cabinet. Small wonder, which was perhaps eerily prescient. Well, I think the AI issue is a very big issue. Yeah. Because <clears throat> it's, um, I realized that you know, the, the technology is at a point where they could add a season to a show that I did um, just with artificial intelligence. You know, and that's got to be regulated. I feel like this is the first group of workers to really address this issue. And it feels very landmark. Well, it affects, it affects not only, it's like, you know, can they just change director's work with AI? Can they get an actor's voice and just use them over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's probably the bottom line. The absolute unchecked chaos of AI being used to scrub a writer or director's style and then replicate it or simulate an actor's likeness or voice is just something that no other group of workers has organized to say, hey, no, and especially not without paying us. So he had a clear head, a strong purpose, and fresh legs. I just got here today, so. <laughs> well, welcome. I hope you're, are you hydrated? You bring, there's water, there's oh, yeah. ice water. Okay, good. I'm good. Okay, good. Get some electrolytes, get a banana. Thank you for talking to me. Yeah, okay. So clearly this is mayhem, but intentional, well-orchestrated mayhem. So a studio backlot can't really shoot outside while horns are going crazy and mariachi bands are blaring and while sweet sunburnt nerds with bullhorns are overseeing these swarmed gates and crosswalks to make sure that no one in an SUV slams into these riders. But how are they finding that sweet spot of disruption that's safe? Well, with strike captains and lot coordinators. My name is Judalina Nira. I'm an executive producer on shows like The Boys, Daisy Jones and the Six, and I also worked on CW's The Flash. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Great shows. <laughs> Thank you so much. So I am both a captain for the WGA and I'm also a lot coordinator. And I'm out here because I was recruited uh, without knowing the full weight of what I was going to be doing. But I am uh, organizationally minded and I really love leading. And it's been very satisfying to be able to feel like I have a presence here for, for our union. It's so important to me that the next generation of writers who are coming behind me have all of the wonderful benefits that were given to me by writers who came before me and picketed on our behalf to get us things like residuals and pension and health. And there's a Writers Guild West here in L.A. Uh, There's a Manhattan-based WGA East and even picketers popping up on location shoots in Chicago, which, by the way, is a big union town. They are not in Hollywood or Texas, but this is not their first rodeo. What can you do to help with a strike, which could go on for months and months? We don't know. Absolutely. So one of the things I love to recommend first, because it's easy and you can do it from anywhere in America or anywhere around the globe, is to donate to the Entertainment Community Fund. The Entertainment Community Fund is a not-for-profit organization based here in Los Angeles that gives funds to creatives in need, especially during times of hardships. And I say creatives because it's not specific to writers. That can include actors, directors, costumers, hair and makeup people, anyone from any part of the industry can tap into this fund for resources if they need financial help. So we donate to a cause of the ologist choosing. And this seems like a good time to toss some money into that fund, which is a national human services organization founded in 1882 to meet the needs of the entertainment community. And they provide 
everything from help with senior care to health insurance counseling, career planning, and even emergency financial assistance. So a lot of people I talked to were folks who were safe for now, but were able to strike because they weren't out working a second or third job to feed their family since they came up at a time when wages were more fair and in line with technology. And now they're a little bit higher up the ladder where they're making a little bit more money, but they are striking for themselves in the future but for the people that are coming after them who never had that privilege. So a donation will go to entertainmentcommunity.org. Thanks to sponsors of Ologies. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, Therapy. Therapists can help you dump out your bag and work through the heavy garbage that's weighing you down, in my case at least. I've used BetterHelp. They have definitely helped me understand that pushing my feelings down does not actually make them go away. It makes them feel worse. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's so much faster and easier than trying to hunt down a therapist from just online listings and cold calling. That's one thing I love about BetterHelp. And if for any reason you are not vibing with your therapist, you can switch anytime, no additional charge, no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash ologies. This episode is brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And y'all know I have a little dog named Grammy, which is short for Gremlin. And y'all help me name her. And there's nothing that we like more than seeing her happy, which means tasty dog foods. And Merrick has been crafting high quality dog food for over 30 years. They were founded in Hereford, Texas, but Grammy doesn't care about that. She cares about smushing her face in it and then licking the bowl. And I don't blame her because they use real ingredients and homestyle recipes like real Texas beef and sweet potato or Grammy's pot pie. Grammy's like Grammy's pot pie. Get away from it, it's mine. I also like that on the bag, they show what's in it. And they always use deboned meat, fish, or poultry as the number one ingredient. And I think Remy appreciates that. So check out Merrick online or in your local pet store and look for their new packaging with real ingredients shown on the bag and inside it. Yum, 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 yum. Oh, KiwiCo. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. Kiwi goes like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids 
can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages, everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages nine to 14, an entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything, Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality, traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual is part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay, so what else can you do to help out? The next thing I say to people uh, to do is if you're nearby and you want to give a, a donation to us in person, some sort of goods, we're in dire need always of three things, water, ice, and sunscreen. Uh, as it gets hotter here, as for those of you who live in California, you know our summers have been blisteringly hot. The days are getting grindy and we can always use more water and more ice in the mornings and in the afternoons and sunscreen all day long. And then finally, I just ask people to sort of amplify our message out there on social media. Hashtag WJStrong is a great hashtag. You can go and see some of the tweets from writers who are picketing at lots all across, uh, not just California, but also in New York and elsewhere, and continue to share our message and spread the good word uh, so people understand what we're fighting for. Mm -hmm. Whose idea was it to have signs you could write on? <laughs> Uh, you know, I think it's pretty standard for the WGA. Anytime we struck, we have so many brilliant writers who are like <laughs> slam dunk hysterical and pithy. And every single day I'm taking a picture of a new sign that's just got like, today, this is my new favorite sign. <laughs> oh, there are so many good signs on these WGA picket lines, such as one that says, it's one writer, Michael. What could it cost? $10? There's also one that says, stop making writers do math. Another favorite, chat GPT doesn't have childhood trauma. And I loved one that said, they have ludicrously capacious salaries. What's even in there? 773 million? Greg, it's monstrous. It's gargantuan. A middle-aged white guy was carrying one that said, pay up or I make an OnlyFans. Other memorable moments thus far, uh, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, David Zaslav, who happened to make $246 million in 2021 alone, recently gave the commencement speech at Boston University and the sun was shining. He cut an impressive silhouette on that podium. He had his scholarly robes on before 10,000 grads and their families until moments into his amplified speech, his voice was a little eclipsed. Some people 
So yes, if you get enough people sending a pay your writers message in solidarity, you can be louder than one rich guy with an amp. Okay, so another legendary soundbite that's already occurred just in this first month of the strike. Uh, Remember that local 399? That was the Hollywood Teamsters Union, and it represents all those workers who drive the trucks and wrangle animals and do casting and such. So the Teamsters, local 399, chief negotiator, secretary treasurer is named Lindsay Doherty, born in Detroit, daughter of a 40-year Teamster vet and the first woman to hold those positions. She has a jet black bob, glowing skin, perfect eyebrows, and a tattoo of Jimmy Hoffa on her left bicep. So a week or so ago, she addressed a crowd of 2,000 or so WGA members inside the famed Shrine Auditorium. She's representing the Teamsters. And she tells the WGA crowd, we are at a turning point in the labor movement right now. If we want to get what's ours, we're going to have to fight for it tooth and nail. So just hang in there, keep fighting, keep hitting the pavement every single day, because if you throw up a picket line, these fucking trucks will stop, I promise you, she said about her Teamsters. She also said, we've all seen what's happening right now in Hollywood. They're starving all of us out, not just you guys. She concludes with, And what I like to say to the studios is, if you want to fuck around, you're going to find out. (laughs) So yeah, people on these lines are fired up. Uh, Omar Ponce, executive story editor on uh, Lopez vs. Lopez. He's also been a writer on Villains of Valley View and Team Kaylee, and is just on a really great upswing in his career. And it's just kind of like... While they ask more and more of your time, you're getting paid less and less. Yeah, which is the exact thing that unions are here for. Exactly, that's exactly, you know, they kind of like, that's exactly what unions are for, here to protect kind of like things that we've earned. And, and we're here, if not f- just for ourselves, if for like wh- whoever's going to be coming along in the future, you know? Um, I know, especially as a Latino writer, it's, it's super important for us to kind of take a stand now and kind of like set some things in place right now so that the next generation of Latino writers are don't look at this career as something that they don't want to pursue because they're getting screwed out of whatever payment they are. As it is, writers of color, you know, are getting this sort of short end of the stick because it's especially affecting writers uh, who are at the lower levels because they're not getting the experience necessary to move up. So we need to create a pathway for people of color to continue to, to move up the ranks, create shows, and we still have accessibility for people that, are, that look like us. Mm-hmm. I offered to take a picture of the group because what a time to remember. And I'm just kind of cheesy like that. I truly, I love taking strangers' photos, not like secretly, but on their cameras. And if they ask me to. Oh, look at you guys. Great. Oh, one for the ages. Thank you guys. Hi there, I'm Erica Harrell. I'm a co-producer on Lopez versus Lopez for NBC. Mm-hmm. Um, I am actually half of a writing team, which is comprised of about 25% of the guild. And writing teams are paid two for one. And it was on the table during this negotiation saying, can we at least get health and pension as individuals? Because that's really important that I work just as hard as my coworkers around the table and they'll have twice the amount of retirement that I will. So yes, okay, writing teams work on the scripts together and they're both in the room and they put in the hours. You get two brains, you get double the ideas, but they make half as much in their script fees and their pensions and their healthcare. So it's a good reason to strike. And I talked to another person who wasn't even in the WGA, but just was out marching. And this happens a lot, thankfully. 
My name is Flaco Navaja. Hi, I'm Hi. out here standing in solidarity with the writers of the WGA as an actor. I think it's important that we all stand together. Mm -hmm. um, we're dealing with some very interesting times and changes in technology, and that's why I'm here, and I will continue to be here as long as I can. So I told them that I was looking for my husband, and then I had to be like, I mean, my actual, my spouse who is present, and I just can't find him in the crowd. Um, I'm not like looking for a husband. And he, then he told me that the WGA actually has organized singles strike events, which is genius. In the same industry. Yeah. No, it's fine. Not having to go on like a first date at Dave and Buster's. No one's got to pay a tab. That's so funny. No one's got to get an Uber. Yeah, home. that was such a smart thing when I heard about that. Are you single? <laughs> I'm not. I was my, la say. my lady is over there doing the saging of everyone. Well, I don't want to interrupt her, but. If she yeah. comes up for, yeah, yeah. she comes up for air. In the meanwhile, I spoke with another writer who preferred not to give a name. For me, it's just our. Um, there's been a lot of free work yeah. that's been affecting so, me personally, and a lot of writers that I know, and nobody ever really talks about it. Like last year, I worked the hardest I've ever worked, and I made the least that I've ever made. And so for me, that's one of the things that drives me to be out here. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't feel that anyone should be doing free work. You wouldn't ask that of someone who's fixing your plumbing or painting your house or anything like that. So why are writers asked to do all this free work? Just because someone enjoys making something that is worth a lot of dollars does not mean that they should get none of the dollars. And I turned to a guy wearing a large straw hat with another smaller hat on top of that hat. And the small hat read, Strike Captain. Jimmy Clavitz. And anything that you've worked on you want to tell me about? Uh, I worked on a Christmas movie. That's how I got into <gasps> WGA. Really? Yeah. Had you already written it and it got sold, or did you write it on assignment? Um, I wrote it on assignment. That's dope. Which one is it? Can you say? It's I called just... Christmas Couples Retreat. Nice. So I looked everywhere for the trailer to this, and I was so bummed I couldn't find it, but that's because it's not out yet. So this movie comes out December 25th, 2023. So check your local streaming listings. We are fighting for fairness of pay, obviously. They think that a showrunner paired with an AI can solve everything. And if this continues in 20 or 30 years, there will be no people who can be showrunners because nobody will have been trained. So we're trying to convince them to stop eating their own tail, <laughs> if that makes sense. It does make sense. And, you know, although the image of a serpent self-consuming has a lot of different various cultural and historical narratives, I just want to tell you that just last week I saw a video of a vet trying to convince this stressed out snake to stop digesting its own ass for lunch. And apparently when snakes swallow their own tail, a little hand sanitizer on their uneaten portion will just get the snake to like, like gag itself out. And sometimes like a strike, you gotta yuck the yum to make things better. And I don't think that made sense. But then again, I'm not a WGA writer. And I'm also not a brain made out of computers. So get off my jock, okay? Um, what did it mean to you when you joined the WGA? Was that a big moment for you? It was a big moment. Um, it was, you know, it was years of hard work. And it felt great. So I just joined two months ago. Congratulations! So I'm brand new. Oh, that's great! I might be the newest member in the guild. I don't know. Had you heard rumblings that there might be a strike coming? Oh, I knew there was a strike. Yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody everybody knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. And listen, we love a Netflix. I have worked on some of my favorite shows I've ever worked on for them. 
I love watching them. We love the prestige drama of an HBO Max, which for some unknown reason is asking us to call it just Max now. Kind of like the time that my goth friend Ben asked him to call us Sebastian. And we were like, okay, sounds good, Ben. But we love what they make. We love it so much that in the first quarter of 2023, Netflix generated $8.16 billion in one quarter. Their annual profit, about $12 billion. Now, Apple TV broke their revenue records in 2022, and they rounded up the last quarter again with a record $20.8 billion. But in 2021, according to a recent IndieWire article, Apple wiggled their big rich ass through this tiny loophole that allowed them to pay members of IATSE, that other labor union, discounted wages. Apple, Apple did this because it's just this little digital startup. It's only worth $2.54 trillion. It doesn't matter that it's the largest company in the world on planet Earth. Can't they just get a friend rate? from just the everyday middle-class people who make the props on set and rig the lights. So just picture the richest person you've ever met sitting down to dinner with you, right? They order the most expensive shit on the menu, a few bottles of the priciest wine, and then when the bill comes, they're like, you wanna split it? And you're like, I guess. And then they go to the bathroom before they put their card down and they crawl out the bathroom window. And you're like, what the fuck is this? So this strike is a huge deal across not just the entertainment industry, but just kind of this modern trend as a whole. And it starts to make sense why someone would show up with their newborn baby to say, yeah, no, we don't like the way things are going. And this is something that was essentially started by Netflix. It's an IP war, right? It's a, it's an intellectual property war. Jimmy says that it's kind of a race for streamers to have the most things and the best things. But because of the strike, they'll be forced to make fewer things and reassess maybe how things are monetized. But it's a very important context to know that we're trying to fight for fairness amongst an industry that has already fucked itself sideways. Yeah. So (laughs) I don't know what type of metaphor that is, right? Yes, I wasn't sure either. So I looked it up and it might be an absolute metaphor, which is one that offers no connection points between the metaphor and the actual subject, but it's used for dramatic or a humorous outcome. But if large streaming studios are getting busy with themselves to financial consequence, what are you going to watch on TV? What are you going to watch? So a few networks have confidently released what they've called fail-proof lineups, which consist of things like Bachelor and Paradise spinoffs and a bunch of reruns. Maybe Netflix has enough stuff for fall, but they definitely don't have enough stuff for winter. So the longer this goes on, they're just going to start cutting their streamers as well. This is very bad for all of them. And they, I think they understand that, but they don't know it yet. What does your sign say? Says stream these nuts. <laughs> the best, the best <laughs> strike signs ever can be found on the WGA line. You know, yeah. And I, I found this sign. I didn't, I didn't make it up. But the moment that I found it, it was like, uh, it was like finding a pot of gold. You know, <laughs> like that one's for me. It instantly, it instantly lifted my soul into joy, and I adopted this sign. And at the end of every day. I take this sign home in my car yeah. and I refuse to put it back in the line. You're like, it's coming yes. with me. I've, I've adopted it. I love it. Yeah. And I think as the strike goes on longer, there's just going to be more and more offensive signs. <laughs> so I feel like I'm just a little maybe early to the trend, 
you know, pretty soon it's just going to be like, yeah, fuck you. You know, yeah. that's, that's going to be the sign. It's just fuck you. I don't see standards and practices out here. So I think you're no. pretty clear to go. Standards and practices or SNP, that is showbiz lingo for the department in entertainment that makes sure nothing airs is just too fucking offensive. Uh, my name is Elle Lipson. Do you want to tell me anything you've worked on? Um, I most recently worked as a writer-producer on the Gotham Knights for the CW. Nice. And before that, the Magicians and Supergirl. Ah, that's great. Yeah. How'd you get your WGA card? What what job was it? Um, on the Magicians. I started as an assistant on that show mm-hmm. and was lucky enough to have bosses that really promoted from within. Um, I got a freelance episode as an assistant. I got sent to set and got experience producing an episode. Now, like one of the reasons that I'm striking is that that ladder is broken. And, you know, what I mentioned about going to set, like writers aren't getting to do that anymore. So we're ending up with people who eventually get to the upper levels who have never been on a set, never been a part of production. And that's so essential to have writers involved at that point in the process, um, all through production and post, because it's all part of writing and we need writers at every phase. What is your, does your sign say anything? What does it say? Oh, yes, it yes. says, we are not content to be underpaid for your content. Nice. As I was getting ready to head back to the car, I chatted with a few more folks really briefly. Annie, who worked on the Michael J. Fox show, and the Goldbergs, and until the strike on May 1st, was writing on Apple TV's show Shrinking with Jason Siegel and an up-and-coming actor named Harrison Ford. My name's Annie Mebbin. I think it's really important that we hold the line for all labor unions that are all going to face these same issues. And um, I think it's been said that the WGA is the tip of the spear, and I hope that it inspires other guilds to join in and uh, do what we got to do to keep this a viable career. That's good. That's really good. Damn it. A writer? Are you a writer? That was really good. Are you a writer? (laughs) I'm going to do what Annie said, but much more intensely and my name is Sam Laybourne, mm-hmm. and I was here in the 2007 writer strike as well. So Sam, longtime writer, worked on, oh, Arrested Development and The Real O'Neills and that 90s show and Blackish, and up until the strike, was the showrunner for Alcapulco on Apple TV. So these are the people who are making the things that we watch. I've been in the guild since the 2007 strike, and uh, I like coming together with writers and striking for the opportunity for younger writers to be in comedy rooms and get that sort of community feeling feels like something that's at risk in this strike. So that's why I'm striking. And as we got to the parking lot, the last person we chatted with, Alex, was at a table with union pamphlets for anyone coming to the strike. And he's not in the WGA, but he left me with such a beautiful thought. Hollywood is called a dream factory. And I think what the strike is about is that a factory is still a factory. And in that way, these are people who make the content. And without the Hollywood labor that creates the content, there is nothing to be made. And I would like to see any of the executives who are making $300 million a year show up to set up one set or write one line of dialogue or do one hour of makeup and see who actually makes the content here. I think the people who actually make it deserve the profits that they create. So ask brilliant writers the right questions. And before you know it, your short little field trip episode that was supposed to be a bonus episode turns into a way bigger ride. And also just remember, sticking up for each other is a really good investment of time. And there's a link in the show notes to my website, which has 
tons more links, including to as many social media accounts as we can find from the people we talk to. Uh, we are at Ologies on social media. I'm at Allie Ward with one L on both. Ologies merch is available at ologiesmerch.com. Aaron Talbert admins the Ologies podcast Facebook group. Noelle Dilworth does all the scheduling. Susan Hale handles merch and so, so, so much more. Emily White of The Wordery makes professional transcripts. Caleb Patton bleeps them. We also have Smologies episodes that are kid-friendly, classroom-friendly, shorter versions. Those are up for free. Thank you, Zeke, Rodriguez-Thomas, and Mercedes Maitland for editing those. Kelly Ardwyer tweaks our website and can make yours. Our wonderful editors who labor over this show are Jarrett Sleeper of MindGem Media and lead editor Mercedes Maitland of Maitland Audio. And the music was done by Nick Thorburn of the Band Islands. And if you stick around until the end of the episode, I tell you a secret. And one thing that brings me so much deep joy is a thing that my wise and adventurous and super intelligent mother-in-law, Jared's mom, Christine Mason said to me recently, and she showed me this meme, which maybe you've seen it. It featured this professorial man at a whiteboard with a graph he's drawing. And on one axis, it says, fuck around. And on the other axis, it says, find out. And Christine said, I think that is so beautiful that you have to fuck around and make mistakes and be curious in order to learn. And it was such an innocent interpretation of that saying that when I hear it now, it always reminds me kind of like if like a really great sweater that you're like, that's a great sweater. And then you find out you can turn it inside out and it's a completely different sweater. And you're like, how about that? This sweater's banging. Doesn't get any better than that. Okay, thanks for coming on this important journey to the picket lines of Hollywood and learning about all this. And remember, no matter what, we're stronger together. So let's stop fighting each other because that's exactly what the people in power want us to do. Well, they eat our last crab or goon. I don't think so. Okay, bye-bye. List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A N G I, or download the app today. Why are smart businesses graduating to NetSuite by Oracle? Because NetSuite eliminates the expense of multiple business systems by consolidating your operations together into one. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. NetSuite reduces IT costs because it lives in the cloud with no hardware required, so you can access it from anywhere. You cut the cost and headaches of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. Bringing all your major business processes into one platform improves efficiency, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. You'll see how you'll profit with NetSuite, too. And now, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. 
Just go to netsuite.com slash podcast25 for more information. That's netsuite.com slash podcast25.